Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talking About Birds, the only Cardinal podcast that, like most player interviews, is not very interesting. My name is Nate Heininger, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ben Samorka. Most player interviews, but there there were some good ones this year, I thought, at the winter warm-up. There were, yeah, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about all of the winter warm-up news. We're going to talk about the roster invites to spring training. Can you believe we actually have that to talk about? And the international signing class. If you have an idea for the opening bit, tweet us at Talk About Birds. Ben, hi. How you doing? How you doing today? Well, let's. I think we should just get right into the weather, Nate. How's the weather going in your <laughs> neck of the woods? Oh, I'm just so glad. You know, <laughs> we we really want to front load this episode. I'll tell you, it's been a rainy day here in wow. St. Louis. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. not much to talk about in baseball world, so let's just hit the weather of our our local uh, areas and and kind of yeah. see what happens. No, Ben, I know you're trying to breeze past it, but I'm not going to let you get away with it. Um, now, we know you're a famous holiday hater. Um, yeah. You despise most holidays in general yeah. merriment. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, a big day <laughs> just happened. Uh, it was your birthday just a couple days yeah. ago. Happy birthday, Benny boy. Thanks, Gorilla. Gorilla here's completed another year around the sun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, how are you feeling? Are you a birthday? Are you a big birthday, Ben? You big birthday boy? So, or what What do you do for your birthday? Yeah. So this probably plays into my my grouchy persona may, or maybe selfish persona. But while I am a, kind of out on a lot of birthdays or uh, holidays, I'm very pro birthday. Um, <laughs> because you know what? You get one day a year, Nate. You get yeah. one day a year. I know you you're pretty that starved. Day. Yeah, you're pretty yeah. starved for attention. And, and yeah. You know, so that makes sense. Um, and my lovely wife makes me a key lime pie every year, which is my favorite dessert. Um, and we usually go ham at some restaurant, um, which we did last night, which was fantastic. Um, and that's really all I want is, you know, nice food, um, and a lot of it. What's your, what's your birthday order here? Is it, is it mostly ham or is it ham? You said you go ham at restaurants. So, so we've got the ham. What else are you getting? Um, well, I'm going to disappoint you because we actually went to uh, a sushi restaurant last night. Um, so I was <laughs> yeah, eating it, mostly. You, know, <laughs> you don't find ham in a lot of sushi, do you? You don't. But, you know, I so I had I had maybe the best piece of sashimi I've ever had in my life. It was uh, toro wrapped in or tuna wrapped in toro um, with like a little bit of soy sauce. It was absolutely incredible. Um, but the waiter did talk me into getting a Wagyu beef roll. Um, which isn't ham, of course, but I think that's (laughs) the most ham adjacent item you can really get at any sushi restaurant that's worth their, you know, their, their whatever. Um, so that was really good. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I had like, God, I don't even know. I think I had six pieces of nigiri, a sashimi order to myself and a couple of rolls. I I went, I went, the the bill was high and I went for those high and I, I just, you know, it's, I, yeah. I went. I went hard. It was. It was lovely. Tequila. <laughs> okay. 
Um, hey, uh, uh, Molly and I went to a um, a restaurant here in St. Louis called Indo the other night, and it is wow. A, like, it is a uh, shout out to Indo if you've not been. Um, it is also a um, Southeast Asian restaurant, and they do like really nice small plates. And I had lamb tartar. You ever, oh, yeah. you ever had that before? I have had that before. I'm a I'm yeah. a bit of a tartar freak. Yeah. Uh, it was good. It was very yeah. very good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, My- I'm glad you went out and celebrated. Yeah, yeah. It's, I like a lot of like tartars and sushis and stuff like that. And I, I feel my yeah. uh, Mary is a vegetarian. Um, <laughs> and I think I think the sushi because you know it's presented so beautifully. But I think if you are a vegetarian and you get a plate of like beef tartar or lamb tartar or something like that, I, I has to just not it's be it. Do, it doesn't look appetizing to to me really. I just know how good it is. But for a vegetarian, yeah. I have to imagine that's an abomination. It may- it may be the polar opposite of vegetarianism eating yeah. raw meat. Yeah. <laughs> at least at least fish is oftentimes, you know, there there will like, you know, pescatarian. It's a little closer yeah, to right. veg- vegetarianism. Well, fish don't have um, souls as we all know, so it makes yeah, it all go down a little easier. Of course. Yeah. Um well, uh, yeah, so I'm glad you had a good good birthday and I uh, this last week, um, really, we got hit with a a wall of cardinal news and cardinal information. It's been yeah. a uh, it's been a, a dry dry winter here for uh, cardinal news generally. Um, but with winter warm up, which is a cool event, have you ever been to winter warm up before? No. Yeah, I went like one time a long time ago, and it was it was fun and cool. But I've not gone for quite a while. I probably should maybe i'll try and go next year um it always seems like a great time but um lots of new information lots yeah. of player inter- lots of aforementioned player interviews um some pretty good ones so we're gonna try to go down and hit the really the big points of discussion that have come yeah. out of of this winter warm-up yeah and honestly i don't think we're going to really capture everything in this chat um, I think we might even have to revisit because so much happened um, this winter warm up. But I, I think we have at least the noteworthy big news type things that we can chat about. And we'll see what kind of develops as the weeks go on. And we can kind of sift. Through. There's just so much to sift through. There's so many conversations. There's articles yeah. on articles. So, yeah, we'll we'll hit the, I guess, at least what we view as the uh, the most important things. Yeah. So uh, what do you want to talk about first? Yeah, I think, you know, anytime these happen, it's it's nice to have Mo and company, the the DeWitts, they're, you know, being asked questions directly from reporters and the DeWitts even made themselves available to fans, um, which honestly, I can't remember off the top of my head if that's something that they always do at winter warm up, but I appreciate it. Um, and mo- more teams than should do that. Uh, a little tangent. I don't know if you were paying attention over the weekend. The Orioles kind of had a similar event and uh, Peter Angelos was asked a question. The Orioles owner was asked a question about the payroll and when they're going to spend and invest in the team. And he flipped out on a fan like in front of a bunch of cameras and reporters um, saying I that they somehow missed that. But I need yeah, I will definitely check that out. Very good content right there. Um, but. The Cardinals owners are not like that. They're, I, I saw a couple of articles kind of calling them out as Wall Street types. 
Um, and I think what people mean by that is they're, you know, not, not necessarily cold, but very calculated. Like we don't know what John Mozeliak is like. We don't know what the DeWitts are like. They have this on screen or, or in interview persona um, that I think that they use to shield themselves. But like, I don't think, I, I think Cardinals fans know it's like an iceberg. We, we, we know 10% of what's going on in John Mosellock's brain and, and in his life right. and his personality. And he presents himself in a very specific way. Um, um, it, Hey, uh, <laughs> Oh, I got to pick the right bow tie for, well, ultimately I think I selected the right bow tie. Okay. C- Thanks candidly. For Can't, yeah. Um, well, candidly, we think this bow tie sets us up for the right, um, for a chance to win the Bowtie Championship. I right. <laughs> I, I, I push back. I bet I don't think John Mosellock has ever been truly candid in his entire life, unless he's like <laughs> with his wife or something. I like it's such a he's such an odd dude. Yeah, I don't think you uh, if you're really gonna be being candid, usually doesn't start with the word to be candid or candidly. Right. It's like saying, like, I'm not racist, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, it is. It's a weird smokescreen. Anyways, um, I, I want to hit on some of the things that Mo hit in his big, long presser. And he kind of came out and just spoke for like three minutes. Uh, here's the situation. Here's what I see with the club. Um, yes, we did technically raise our uh, our payroll, which. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, cool. I All think right. you, you got us, Mo. You're right. You didn't lie when you said you're raising the payroll. All right. No, we it, get it. It, it did it, go it, up a little bit. And yeah, I like to pick on that a little bit. Yes, technically they did. The payroll is more now than it was, um, but it essentially had to be. Um, so don't pat yourself on the back too hard. And uh, the, the way in which he came out so defensive, def- like defending that point, makes me think that Mo really misread the market. Him and his squad did not understand the free agent market that they were walking into. I think candidly, Nathan, um wow. Like 30 or 40% of MLB understood the market they were walking into and everyone else got driven by really really fast. So, you know, yeah. that's fine, but I think Mo is much he's just the type of guy that he would much rather say well, yes, actually, technically, we did raise payroll, so I stuck to what I said, rather than be like, oh, the market got ahead of us, and we didn't adjust quickly enough, and and here we are. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're probably, um, your number there is too high. I think that just a handful of teams drove the new market, and most teams were never going to participate in the first place, and then some teams like the Cardinals, who maybe considered themselves possible players in it were yeah then completely driven by um because of like the Mets and the Padres and and these teams that were willing to seemingly go well above expected market value for these right. guys. Yeah, so I will take his defensive stance as an admission to what we just discussed, I suppose. Um yeah. More things that I thought were interesting, specifically from Mo, um, is he just outright said, he was being very candid, I thought, in this part of the interview, um, that they missed on the left-handed hitter that they wanted to acquire. Um, And that's interesting 
for a couple of reasons. Like, okay, they definitely see left-handed left-handed hitting as a whole, which I think I'm not sure I would super disagree with that, but there's a reason you don't bring back Corey Dickerson. Everyone's high on Newt. Um, I think you and I would say that we're probably, um, I don't know, optimistic is probably the right word for Nolan Gorman mm-hmm. and optimistic for Burleson for sure. Um, and those seem like quality left-handed bats, but you know, I guess unproven. But I thought interesting that he said, that was something they were actively shopping, but missed out on. Yeah. It makes me wonder who did they miss on, you know, yeah. cause it's, was it like Bellinger, you know, or like, who was it specifically that they were targeting and that they missed on? Um, would, cause it's not would like you just been, yeah. Would you describe Bellinger as a bat? No, not particularly, but as far we, we like, he's the type of player that had made sense to me for the Cardinals to gamble on. You know, we, we don't need any more of these like middle floor guys. We need someone who could possibly break out or, you know, reach some sort of insane ceiling. And it made sense to me that Bellinger, like, you know, I, I would, I would like a Bellinger signing yeah, more than a Dickerson signing, even if more dice rolls result in Dickerson being, uh, like more valuable. I'd rather take that like lower percentage outcome where Bellinger bounces back and is fantastic and like changes right. the entire makeup of the team than the like outcome where Corey Dickerson has a fantastic 1.5 war season, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny. Cause like we hit on last week, we talked about some left-handers that are still available and I'll David Peralta is still available. Uh, Rugnet Odor, Tyler Naquin, um, Edwin Rios. There are low level left-handed hitters out there. So yeah, it makes me think like, I, I don't know, Adam Frazier, Michael Brantley type, like that kind of tier. Like we know Jock Peterson accepted the qualifying offer. So he was never really available. Yeah. Um, there's no way the Cardinals were going to go get Benintendi for the kind of deal he ended up landing. Same thing for Nemo, like Matt Carpenter was Matt Carpenter in the conversation. Yeah. When they say they missed, are they talking about someone specifically or just like we, we knew we were going into this off season looking for a left-handed bat and we've, and we're not going to do it now. You know, like maybe there was a trade they were trying to pull off that they didn't pull off. You know, I don't know. It, it's yeah. not like there was some clear, obvious improvement uh, left-handed hitters that you could get that fit right into the roster because also like I, I think he said it in the interview like this role they're trying to fill is a is basically a bench bat reserve player and so most right. guys don't want to don't want to sign that deal and so what are you really looking for is it like I don't know what what are you looking for that you know the slew of left-handed hitters that you just talked about don't already offer other than right some degree of proven ability at the major league level. But most of these guys that you're looking at have their own set of issues, which is why they're available and still out there. Yeah. I think your point about like the desirability of coming to the Cardinals when you're like an early thirties bench player is probably really low, right? Like you're going to be competing with, you know, if you're an outfielder, five young guys whose ceilings are probably all much higher than yours, meaning that if they start to hit, they will get playing time over you. 
And in the infield, there's really one position of flexibility and you still have Brendan Donovan and Nolan Gorman to compete with. And I I mean, the, the, we've talked about it all winter. The floor of this team is really high. Like it's easy to complain about the ceiling, but the floor is so high. I think throughout like all 26 guys that I think you nailed it. Like if you're, we saw what happened to Corey Dickerson. How many interviews last year did he uh, come into where he's like, you know, I just had to, I had to reset and, and think, you know, I am good or, or whatever the hell you like, what, yeah. you know what I'm talking about? The kind went of through like a, a mental health, you know, issue right in the middle of the season because he wasn't right. getting playing time. Uh, but then, Hey, he got 10 hits in a row. So <laughs> we'll always have that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll always have that. Um, so yeah, in- interesting. Um, and again, wow. Look at, Mo being he's really opening up the wow. the the door to his mind. Wow. Um, another thing that Mo talked about that I thought was interesting, and I'll caveat they the conversations have not begun yet, but he did express the level of interest of extending Miles Michaelis, Jordan Montgomery, mm-hmm. and even Jack Flaherty, which I think I think Miles surprises me slightly. Monty surprises me none. Jack surprises me a lot. Yeah, um, we had talked about miles making sense, though. You know, we the Cardinals have like no rotation after next year. He's right. He's been good. He he's the type of pitcher you project. You know, he, he's not a stuff guy, you know, so like you expect that he should age reasonably well and he seems to be going well so far. I, I do think he's the type of player, though, that the, 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 the bottom basically is just going to drop out at some point. Um, but hopefully it's not too soon. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's kind of Wainwrighty in in the fact that yeah. like as long as he's locating, he's effective, right? That's what I mean. So like, if he can keep that up, he could do this for four more years. You know, right? Um, so I, I it makes sense to me. He's probably not going to command a crazy contract. He's been good. He's comfortable with the team. Go ahead and give him a couple more years. I think we'd all be fine with that. Montgomery, we've talked about enough. We we spent a while last week on why he should ex- extend. He should yeah. be extended. He's the perfect candidate for it. Uh, Flaherty is interesting. I will say that I am into it. Um, it, you know, his hopefully right now is as low as his value is going to be for the rest of his time as a Cardinal. Um you know, it seems like he's going into 2023 healthy. I know we've said that before, but all these injuries have really been like continuations of the same thing. And he was finally healthy at the end of last year, normal off season. Everything's looking yeah. good. Um, this is a big test year for Flaherty. And I feel comfortable gambling on him. You know, um, I think it's worth it. And I would be supportive of an extension um, because seems worth it because if he if you do get that high end outcome and he's the pitcher we all thought he was uh you're going to get him at a at a deal cuz yeah. you know how expensive pitching is on the open market and if he's bad well that sucks but you're going to yeah. have to like we we have to pay for pitching really soon unless you're truly a believer that by next year Graceffo, Jerpy, Libertor uh, Thompson, all these guys, like we're going to have a, yeah. an effective rotation out of all of those guys. Yeah. And it, I, I think that you're right. I think I have no 
earthly idea what a Jack Flaherty extension looks like. Like, do you give them three years with an opt out after one? Do you give them five years and up the cash a little bit? Yeah. Um, but I do think it fits into the model that we've seen the DeWitts and Mo kind of run since 96. Like you think of the the pitch, like there's always been kind of a, a legacy pitcher to kind of, I don't know, pass the baton. Um, and I'm not sure if the legacy aspect is so much a part of that as like the predictability and the knowing the pitcher and I mean, you, you know, if you have a player on your team, you know, their health better than anyone else. Right. Like you, you know, Jack Flaherty's situation better than any free agent pitcher situation, you know, by a factor of five or whatever. Uh, so there's value there, but yeah, I think I'm here for it. Um, I mean, even if Jack isn't 2019 Jack, he's still good. He just needs to age into it a little bit more and figure it out a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's getting there. He's he's entering into his prime years. If he's going to be really good, it's likely over the next five years. You know, yeah. um, it's just it's a super strange situ- situations. You know, you know, pitchers are How? vulnerable, and he's been one of the most. So hopefully, yeah, he's a, not anymore. But it's hard to say. There was a time when the Cardinals had it was Dakota Hudson, Zach Allen, Sandy Alcantara. And Jack Flaherty all kind of coming up around the same time with Jack being a little bit behind those uh, other guys. And how disappointing would it to be to have (laughs) Dakota Hudson, the only one that's really stuck around, and then Jack (laughs) Flaherty go to the Giants next year and put up a Cy Young season? Like, I think I'd be ripping my hair out. I mean, I know you can't (laughs) really do anything about the Ozuna trade at this point, but man, that would hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, you know, it was a good trade at the time, but boy, howdy, is it, uh, <laughs> is it, yeah. It is, like, think it if, think if it would have been possible outcome. <laughs> yeah. If the Cardinals kept Sandy and gallon and traded Jack Flaherty and Dakota Hudson at the time, we would have been like, no, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, but if everything played out the same, we'd have a ACE one ACE two. And, uh, yeah. you know, I don't know. Dakota Hudson would probably still be the fourth starter for the Marlins. I I am uh, the thing that makes me feel better is that I am of the belief that Sandy Alcantara became what he is because of the Marlins pitching development and the and the time he had yeah. to pitch in a bad team's rotation. Um, I am not convinced it, that if he had stayed a Cardinal, he would have progressed the same that he has with the Marlins. It but, does make that go down smoother to have that thought process. Because remember when he was traded, he was a high fluctuation reliever. Yeah. Right. Uh And that's part of why he was traded. And we've all Cardinals always have those guys. It's like what we do is we make these, you know, hard throwing relievers who blow up and are out of the league really quickly. Right. And then, uh, of course, somehow he becomes, you know, a Cy Young winner. And yeah, but you know what the Marlins do is they develop starting pitching really, really well. So I, I think they found something with him and, you know, he was traded, what, four years ago. And yeah. so he was in the Marlins developmental system for years before he became what he is now. So yeah. who knows what he would be as a Cardinal. But um, that is, of course, I think partly, <laughs> partly, yeah. you know, good sound theory. And then yeah. also a, a nice wash of homerism and like unwilling to believe that, you know, 
yeah. this trade is as bad as it has turned out to be. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not a masochist. I, I'm going to take the same medicine you're taking. I'm, yeah, I'm with yeah. you on that. I'll say Nate's 100% right. They yep. they sprinkle their Marlins uh, goo all over Alcantara. Um, they made him, I don't know, eat the fish that used to be behind home plate, and he become became a, yeah, a that's super what powerful is. starting pitcher. So again, Marlins um, goo is that? Did you have some uh, on your sushi? Did you have any Marlin goo? It's yeah, uh, yeah they were sold out. Market I, uh, the market price, you know, it just every, uh, every, it was all sold out by the time I got there, so I had to settle for the Toro. Yeah. Um, um <laughs> I get it. I get it. You know, ship shipping costs and oh, uh, you know, supply chain. Supply chain. Yep. Um so talking about those three pitch uh pitchers, I wanted to focus on Jack Flaherty uh a little bit. He had a very emotional presser. Um and what I thought was most interesting about it is that he uh, there are two things that made him emotional, and one was the fact that he was essentially sidelined for all of Yachty's last year, and he was talking about the idea of like how special pitching to Yachty is, how much how great of a teammate Yachty is, and just how much of a disappointment that he really was a non-factor in Yachty's last season. And um, yeah. he he talked about the idea of you know the second time the cardinals have been bounced out of the playoffs with him sitting in the bullpen not doing anything um and then he also got similarly uh uh, emotional when talking about adam wainwright um and i think uh you you know wanting to be a part of this year wanting to be a part of wayno's final year and i think that cardinals fans are weirdly hard on jack flaherty I don't fully understand why, but I think like, I, like explain it to me, please, if you understand better than me. But like seeing him speak so passionately publicly about those legacy players and about wanting to compete, like how do you not like this guy? How do you not want to be? This is the guy I want going out every five days. Like uh, you know, assuming health, blah 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 blah, but. I don't know. He, I saw that fire again. Um, yeah, I, so yeah, I love I Jack Flaherty and as part like personality and, emo- and, and like, um, like, yeah, his personality, the, his, the way he speaks, the way he carries himself, it, everything that I want on a Cardinal player, my concerns about like extending him as purely a performance thing, but I'd be into it. I have a theory and this, I, this could be wrong. Um, yeah. And, but, I mean, I kind of think that the reason Jack Flaherty gets a lot more shit than other Cardinal players is because he is an incredibly outspoken person who has made his opinions about social matters very clear. And I think that that has rubbed a lot of people uh, wrong. And that is whether they care to admit it or recognize it. I think that is an undercurrent on people's perspective on Jack Flaherty and that is why people don't like why they react so aggressively to everything that he does because he has chosen to use his platform to be um you know very pro yeah a a variety of different social movements ones that you and I are also very supportive of yeah and it makes me like Jack Flaherty even more um but just the way our world works right now you know, if you make any statement in any direction, there's a population who are going to dislike you 
yeah. uh, you know, more. And so he's a very public figure. And so when you do that, you open yourself up to, you know, additional judgment and right or wrong. I mean, I have my opinions, but that's my theory on why he gets more hate than other Cardinal players, especially like you're right. He does everything that people want from a, from a Cardinal player. He's like, yeah the ultimate team player. He's the most outspoken pro Cardinal person on the team, probably Um, outside of like, I guess like Wayno, who's like the team. He's he's almost a mascot. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So after him, it's like Flaherty is the most pro Cardinal on the Cardinals. You don't see anyone else out there as much as him talking about how much he loves the team, but he gets this hate. And I think it's all, I I mean, I think part of it is just, you know, the low performance. Yeah. That doesn't also, help for sure. It yeah. doesn't. It doesn't help, you know. Yeah. But, um, but it's not like Alex Ray has got this type of hate, you know. Right. And, so and I, like, I you know, I'll compare him to Miles. Like, uh, and I and I want to be clear. First off, I'm fine with either approach. If you want to be yourself and be outspoken and passionate about what you believe in, that's great. And if you want to start a post game presser by saying, Oh, you're in big cowboy mode and, uh, <laughs> you were, you were cowabunga, you know, with your slider and you just want to be this total <laughs> aloof weirdo. I think that that's great too. But yeah. like Jack Flaherty gives real answers. Miles Michaelis is doing like his five minutes. He's doing bit. a bit. Yeah, he's doing a bit every time, which yeah, also a big fan of, you know, but I think I they're think both that's... great. Yeah. No problem yeah. either way, but it's like, yeah. well, how are you giving this guy shit and you're not giving the other guy? He's not even saying anything. He's just saying yeah. like nineties catchphrases, but anyways, <laughs> sometimes you got to surf up, dude, you know, grip it and rip it and let the big dog eat, you know? Yes. So, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. And you know, I'm obviously trying to stay very down the middle here on, sure. on it. But that's, that's my, my theory on why people have an over the top reaction to Jack Flair. Yeah. Because they already don't like him because of his uh, yeah yeah the way he's chosen to you know support things. Well, we support you, Jack Flaherty. I hope you have a great year, man. It'd be so nice for him to just put it together and give us 180 it, or so innings. It changes the entire complexion of it, this team. 100 percent. Yeah, it's the whole thing is different if if you yeah. have Jack Flaherty as a, as an ace. Yeah. Yeah. You know, speaking to that, I think that gets us to our next point really well. Uh, the Cardinals and, and uh, Mo and co and all those folks hit it hard. Cardinals are not going to deviate from their model. Um, and, you know, like I said, I think my, my, um, Mo's model was a little behind the times this year, and I'm sure they'll adjust and recalibrate and figure that out. Um, but, you know, to the point that you're just talking about, like DeWitt said, we have a Jack Flaherty at home. We're not going to go get another one out there. And I think that they... The, their model is draft and develop, spend the money wisely. And I think that they're going to take like they look at Jack Flaherty as an ace. Now, his health is a huge question mark. And I think they kind of look at something uh, that as a thing that they can't control. But in their mind, in their model, in their books, however, they're breaking it down. Jack Flaherty is the ace. We don't need another one. Um, and, yeah. and that's really what I took away from that. But I think like. Cardinals fans just need to understand very, 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 very rarely are they going to shell out the big bucks and they're just going to try to win the central and roll the dice. I mean, kind of like what we've been talking about. Yeah, the Cardinals will not attempt to be a super team like the Mets or the Padres. Um, 
you know, even the Dodgers have taken a slight step back from trying to be like the super team who signs every single good free agent. Um, right. And and I, you know, I, I get it. I think that's fair. Look at, look at this year's uh, World Series. Um, you've got the Phillies who they're becoming kind of a super team um, yeah. with like with this offseason and whatnot. But they were no, you know, they were not a team that you would call built for the <laughs> built for the World Series. I mean, we everyone no. kind of retroactively spun that into, you know, because they did well. So now you're figuring out why did they do it? Oh, two yeah. aces and you hit home runs. That's, you know, but like going into the season, they were not a team that was considered built for the postseason. Uh, and the Astros on the other side, I mean, they go out and get guys, but they're almost an exclusively homegrown team that just makes really smart. Uh, well, you yeah, know, I mean, decisions. So, who who've the Astros let walk in the past four or five years? You know, they've uh, George Springer, their superstar center fielder, uh, Carlos Correa, their superstar mm-hmm. shortstop. Um, who am I? F- I'm forgetting somebody. They they've I, obviously well, retained Al- Verlander. Just oh, you know, Verlander, go. Garrett Cole. Yeah. Um, yeah, who they basically made into a star level pitcher. Charlie Morton, who they made into a star level pitcher. Yeah, they let guys walk. Um, yeah. now they keep around Jordan and, and Altuve, they spend their money smartly. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, it, I think it, like, Oh, sorry. Yeah. Just it's, it is a common thing for us ourselves included to complain about. Um, but to be fair to the Cardinals, they are pretty, they, they say this pretty frequently, you know, like, yeah, they're, they're not out there saying we're going to compete for the top free agents that we, yeah. we kind of felt maybe that's what they were saying going into this year with stuff, yeah. with stuff like, uh, our payrolls going up, but turns out, uh, you know, they meant spend basically Yachty's salary on Wilson Contreras and yeah. then, uh, yeah. Okay. Arbitration prices yeah are gonna um, result in your payroll going up all right cool you're you're big and smart mosaic <laughs> will never say that again unless he's like all right i got a uh a Edmund uh extension that's just sitting there waiting to happen like unless yeah, he like absolutely yeah exactly now to be fair though like i i still think there's a possibility that there, a trade happens but yeah um because that is the sort of stuff that he has been, you know, um, not candid about for years, like right before the Arenado trade, he said, Matt Carpenter is our starting third baseman this year. And then it was like a day later they traded for Arenado. Yeah. So that sort of stuff happens still. Um, but the like going out and signing Rodon or any, right. any of those things that we really wanted, like, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, and I wasn't planning on hitting it this episode, but I'll just say that there has been a little more smoke to the uh, Marlins trade rumors, and we'll see how that all plays out, but nothing really to report on right now. Um, All right, moving down the winter warm-up list. uh, DeWitt asked specifically about Trevor Bauer, um, and he said the team's actions will speak for his opinion on that. Um, (laughs) I read that. As a hard no, I think uh, the, the way that he kind of I don't know if you watch this press or not, but the way that he kind of addressed that, I think there's not a chance in uh, frozen hell that Trevor Bauer will be Cardinal, which you and I are very pro um, happy. That's that seems to be closed um, by the DeWitts. Yeah, I mean, 
it would be hard to imagine as conservative as they are taking on a chance, taking a chance like Trevor Bauer. Um, but nice to, nice to know, or at least, yeah, I assume we know from that. Yeah. I, I think it's that seemed to close the door on it, uh, as well of which yes, big time support. I hope every club is making that decision though. Yeah. Somebody's going to do it, Nate. Somebody's going to do it. I know someone's going to do it, but I don't know who it's going to be. It might be the Orioles. I don't know. They're shitty. Um, okay. <laughs> moving on a little more you know, player news. You know what it is? It'll be the Reds. Bring them back. Uh, what they, their owner is also a piece of shit. So yeah. it's someone who will be like, I'm not only like, you know, Trevor Bauer aligns with my own. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, all right, back to some player stuff that happened. Paulie D was quite the star at the winter warm-up. Um, I, I, so two interesting things. Uh, Paulie D's been in Florida working on his swing. He has actually made massive changes, at least what he's calling massive changes. I was trying to scour the internet for video of said changes, and I couldn't find anything. But he said that he's gotten rid of his leg kick. He's basically just changing his entire load. He was talking about watching videos of people like Paul Goldschmidt, Mark McGuire, and this idea of understanding how to use his legs to the ground to get power, which... I'm not like a hitting mechanist or anything like that, but I kind of thought that was how every player did it. Like, I feel like I've heard my whole life, like the power comes from the legs, whether you're pitching or hitting. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, But then also he admitted that he had been extremely resistant to change uh, prior to this off season, which I think is the part that bugs me the most. Um, I don't I know that these players can be stubborn and set in their ways, but when you've had declining performance since your debut and you refuse to make a change, I I would love to understand the psyche of what the hell's going on there. Well, I it's all wrapped up in the insanity that it takes to get to the major league level, right? It's like and and the sort of fame that follows it. You know, Paul young was the best player on every team he played for until he right. got to you know probably uh double or triple a and then he's a big league shortstop who's almost immediately an all-star so like he spent the majority of his life being one of the best athletes that probably anyone he knows has ever been around right and so there's this other attitude which is uh, keep doing what got you here right you know um, which is pretty common. You hear that from coaches a lot as well. So he probably has in one ear, he has, you need to make a change. It's not working. And then you have another ear. You need to go back to what got you here. Right. And I'm sure that that's a difficult thing. And then you have to do it in real time on camera against the best athletes in the world. So th- there's a lot there. And when we right. spoke with, we had Tara on the show over the summer and, you know, we talked about, that like Paul DeYoung is clearly a guy who it's all mental, right? He right. has the physical ability, but every swing is a like is a mental exercise that there's like nothing natural about it. You know, right. it's it's a calculated moment every single swing. And if he's exactly right, then he is incredible. And if there's any slight problem, he's 
just total trash, right? Yeah. So yeah. I, I I don't know. The resistant to change though, what's weird is we had the exact same story from Matt Carpenter. So it also makes me think like, is there something about the Cardinals messaging that people are struggling with? Like, do right. we need do we need like well, to use some, you know, do we need better change management? Uh, <laughs> uh Ben, you know, do we I need mean, uh what's I mean, going you're, on? You're you're right. But then we have the two superstars. I mean, how well documented was their change, their bat change, they're going to this lab and that lab and getting all the stuff like Arenado and Goldsmith Schmidt, like put in the work. Like they are like, I want to change. Yeah. Give me whatever I can. So it's hard for me to believe. Like if you usually you think those guys are setting the tone. Um yeah. like, hey, if it's good enough for Paul Goldschmidt, it's good enough for me. Um, I, I like, it's really hard. And obviously I'm not a elite level athlete who makes millions of dollars by being an athlete. So it's, yeah, right. So it's easy for me to sit here and say this. It just kind of blows my mind. Um, yeah. When I hear things like that. I agree with you. I mean, the, you know, the standard thing just in life that you hear is like, you need to be ready to change and adapt. And that's how people improve. Right. Right. But athletics especially at the elite level. It's just such a weird balance of these like, you know, confidence and consistency is, is spoken about as much, if not more than like willingness to change and grow and adapt, you know? Um, and yeah, you would certainly think you're looking at some of the best of all time on your own team and their willingness to change. You certainly think you'd be like, well, I'll have what he's having, but, (laughs) um, yeah, doesn't seem to be going that way all the time. Speaking of some of the best of all time, uh, Matt Holiday, since we last talked, <laughs> has resigned from bench coach uh, and then subsequently been replaced by Super Joe McEwing. Uh, if, if you're not familiar with Joe McEwing, he was a Cardinal in the early 90s, uh, went on to have a career with the Mets, played with the Royals in Houston for a little bit, and has been a coach for like 15 years in various different disciplines. He was with the uh, White Sox last year. Didn't have a job. Um, I I will say first off, uh, I think that Jim Gewing is an excellent signing. Um, I I think it's, you know, getting, you're kind of replacing a guy who has absolutely no coaching experience with a guy who has a ton of coaching experience and fits within that kind of role that we, we've, we were talking about this uh, maybe a month or so ago. But I'm looking at Joe McEwing's stats. When you're the type of guy that has 1,700 uh, big league uh, at bats and 0.8 war, you're a coach. <laughs> like, right? That's like the only yeah. way that you get to play that long by being that a- and being that average is if you are, you know what you're talking about. You're smart. You're easy to be around. People like you, um, and you can help make other players better. Um, so that being said, I, I think, well, I guess I'll let you, how, how are you feeling about the Joe McEwing signing? Yeah, I, I think it's great. You know, if we hadn't had the Matt holiday signing, I'd be just as happy with Joe McEwing. I think we'd all be pretty excited about the signing. So, um, you know, in a vacuum, that decision alone, I think is a great one. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to have him with the team should be fun. Uh, the whole Matt Holiday thing, I you know, I don't have a lot to add to the discourse here other than that <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm just like I was really excited about having Matt Holiday as a bench right. coach. Um so I'm bummed. Um whether his ex- whether his reason for resigning is 
what he's saying it, whether it's, you know, did, why he signed up in the first place if he wasn't like, there's a lot of questions around it. Yeah. And ultimately I've landed on, I don't care, you know, like it's weird. I wish it wasn't what had happened, you <laughs> yeah. know, but yeah, but there's a lot of people out there trying to speculate and trying to like, you know, read between the lines and, and like, I don't know. It's too weird. And ultimately it doesn't matter. You know, he's, he, we never, we never had it. So it's, you know, at least he quit now. Yes. That's, that's the right take. Yeah. At least it happened before spring training started. Yeah. So it's, I I would love to see, you know, Matt holiday is one of my favorite Cardinals of all time. So just having him like back with the org was fun. I hope, you know, whatever it is that has caused him to, to drop out of this. Like, I hope that it, it comes back around in time and he can be a more of a presence with the Cardinals, but yeah, whatever Joe McEwing is fine or is fine. I, I think the only thing to add is like the, and I think that there are, there are little stories, like they're not all connected. There are little stories that are kind of, to explain all of these things, but like the Cardinals and their coaching positions over the last four ish years. I mean, really since Matheny um, was on his way out have just been like kind of fast and furious. Like it's been a lot of turnover. It's been quick turnover um, for, like I said, a bunch of different reasons. Uh, um, but I don't know, just kind of funny. Like uh, this is just not how the Cardinals were previous to this little, this little run that they've been on. Yeah. Um, I mean, some of them have been promotions, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, and I think if you go beat by beat, most of them are pretty understandable and sort of make sense. Maddox was I, what I read recently is that he was basically going to retire and then the Rangers made him the offer. And yeah. since he lives like 20 minutes from the stadium, he's like, well, instead of retiring, I'll do that. You yeah. know, so like each one, if you look at it, it there's usually a an explanation behind it that makes sense by itself and it could just be like this is a bunch of random occurrences all bunching together and it's not a like systemic problem um but i don't know or it is there's something there's something shitty about working for the cardinals that we don't really know about you know and all these guys are are trying to get out of it yeah yeah just kind of a weird uh weird set of circumstances okay um that's all I have on my my uh, on our uh, winter warm up meeting list. Anything else you want to hit before we move on? Um, I just wanted to say I don't I don't know if you watched or read any of the Arenado interview. Um, he didn't necessarily give any brand new information, but he reiterated um, and continued to reiterate that you know obviously the market went buck wild after he chose to ignore his opt outs, and people were asking like, do you? You know, do you regret like probably losing, you know, a hundred plus million dollars a year um, by a year sticking with or I'm sorry, uh, over the uh, life of the contract versus staying with the Cardinals? And I mean, he's saying all the right things. Of course, he's not going to say anything different. But yeah, oops. Nope. I do sure wish. Um, But I just thought it was nice. You know, he said that, like, um, I'm not a hired hand. I'm here. I want to win with this team. This is where I've always wanted to play. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt is my best friend. Yeah. And I, I, it was adorable. He's like, I sit next to him on the plane. I have dinner with him all the time. 
we want to win together. You know, so it's like, okay, you know, it, it really reinforced that. Yeah. He's got a $260 million contract. He's not too worried about that. Having been a $350 million contract or whatever he wants. He's comfortable. He's, he's playing with his best buds. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he doesn't really want to be someone who just chases a championship. He wants to win it with the team that he's on. And I was like, yeah, cool. I mean, I I get the sense. Nolan is the kind, like Nolan wants a statue. Nolan wants to go yeah. to the Hall of Fame. Nolan wants to win a World Series. Like that's what Nolan wants. I it like it, it is so hard to I, I think 99% of players take money over anything. But yeah. I do think that Nolan is that special type of crazy that just wants it. Like he wants the yep. baseball stuff. He wants the winning. He wants the Hall of Fame plaque. Like those are those things are important. And especially as we've said ad nauseum, like when you have almost, you know, $300 million guaranteed to, you you know, all the rest of the stuff, it goes down a lot smoother. So it was a lot easier. Those decisions are a lot easier to make. It's a lot easier to be a full, you know, philosopher athlete, uh, you know, when you're also, uh, you know, generationally wealthy. So yeah. um, speaking of his generational wealth, I I had not heard about this prior to this off season, but the fact that, um, he has a baseball warehouse somewhere in Southern California that is like a massive facility built to baseball training. It's filled with his memorabilia and baseball memorabilia. And he's having like Tommy Edmond and, and Lars and these other guys fly out to go work in his like undisclosed location warehouse with no windows is uh i mean that's you know if you got big time baseball money that is exactly what you do is you make this like yeah. fun house in the middle of uh downtown la or wherever the hell it is he's got hundreds of millions of dollars i mean yeah. it's like you know when we 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 sort of abstract it when we talk about it for in in you know within baseball terms but it's like yeah he has you know an insane wealth at this point and can, you know, so I, it's, it's at least kind of fun that he's making like Willy Wonka baseball factory yeah. and all the Cardinals and whoever are going to hang out there over the off season. I know. I want to, I mean, I, I was there last weekend. It was pretty yeah. cool. The chocolate, <laughs> the, the chocolate, I would fountain, love the chocolate fountain was nice. I would love to see you swing a baseball bat in front of Nolan Arenado. That would bring <laughs> me endless joy. You like snap uh, your wrist. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I for sure. Um I'm actually I was gonna I'll talk about this more um when it gets closer, but uh for a buddy's um a buddy of ours is getting married and for his bachelor party, uh the guy organizing it has rented out one of the independent league stadiums here in, oh, in, wow. in St. Louis, and we're getting uh three hours on the field. Uh, and, and we're going to do like batting practice and stuff like that. So, you know, getting loose, oh gonna, my God. I think it's 300 to left, left field, 380 oh to, to dead center. You know, <laughs> we're, we're going to just see what the old boy here can do. Uh, uh yeah. can I get it out of the infield? We'll find out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, you're known for your strength and flexibility and, and, uh, Ida, Ida ball or bat to ball. Uh, skills launch angle there you go supply chain um okay <laughs> let's move on um i want to talk a little bit about uh non-roster invitees um because that just got announced um, wow that's like baseball that's a real baseball thing happening like uh we're looking at rosters and yeah, lineups. yeah yeah 
Um, so uh, I, I want to pair this with kind of two things. Like we we pretty much know who's playing for the WBC this year, uh, which is starting in March. Very excited about that. Um, but we have Goldie, Nolan, Wayno, Miles, all playing for Team USA. O'Neill is playing for Team Canada. Tommy Edmund hey. playing for Team Korea, and Lars Newtbar playing for Team Japan. So that's seven players that are not yeah. that are would be taking up a ton of at bats um, in spring training, getting ready, all that stuff that just aren't going to be there. So I kind of got a little extra excited when I saw the non roster invitees, and I'm just going to I have them kind of grouped, and I'm just going to kind of read off. Uh, the groups and we can, I don't know, chat about them, but, the, uh, but the pitching group that I'm excited about that is invited. Um, we have Gordon Graceffo, Michael mm-hmm. McGreevy, Tommy Parsons, Tink Hentz, and Cody Whitley is back, which is, uh, I didn't realize that he was back in the mix, but he is back, um, in a Cardinals uniform. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to be excited about there. Um, I mean, honestly, all of them, but I, I think we're all, Really interested to see uh, Tink Hens, yeah. uh, you know, uh, against these guys. He, they had a lot of uh, kid gloves on him, as they yeah. say, last year. You know, he didn't throw a lot of innings. Everything was very controlled and very reserved. But he is flying up prospects yes, right now. And uh, really interested to see him in spring with uh, alongside the, the rest of the team. And then, yeah, I mean, we're expecting likely to see uh Graceffo, maybe McGreevy in the majors this year. So this will be a little bit of a you know an early look at what that yeah. might look like uh in in the big league roster. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm fully aligned. Most excited to see Tink Hens um because of the stuff and everything. And mm-hmm. he seems just awesome. Um but yeah I mean like I, I don't think it's too out of the realm if if Gordon Graceffo or Tommy Parsons looks really good in spring would not be surprised if they break the uh, uh, spring training with the club um, and yeah. go up. And maybe those are in bullpen positions. Maybe they're pushing somebody out of a starting job. I don't totally know. I, I think, you know, we'll just I count on at least it's, somebody getting hopefully hurt. Hopefully it's bullpen, right? Hopefully they're yeah. breaking camp with bullpen because that means we got out of spring with the, with the healthy rotation. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, how long they're in bullpen, in the bullpen, we'll see. Right. Yeah, and there's also, like... It's been such a long time since we've had a WBC. Like, be curious to see how Wayno and Miles come out of that as far as their readiness. Like, are they going to come out of the WBC and be ready to pitch six innings, seven innings right away? What, you know, are, are they going to have to like kind of do some yeah. tune up games or, or are they going to have to do some piggyback games where like, you know, a Wayno starts the game, goes three innings, and Miles comes in and does three. In- like, I have no idea what that's going to look like. Um, obviously, well, I think we'll learn more once once it's, camp gets going. It's been a while since we've had a WBC, obviously. Um, but from my recollection and some of the early reporting on this, too, is that the the managers in the WBC, particularly with the people who are going back to the to professional ball, you know, they try to use them in a similar capacity to what they would have been used in spring training. Right. It's not going to be exactly the same, um, but, you know, the the sort of ramp up is likely to happen, or at least they're going to try to do that similar ramp up so they can. So it, it's sort of like an alternate spring training, just a more competitive spring training. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. I mean, also just thinking about last year, like it seems so far away now, but the lockout 
resulted yep. in a really strange April um, for most of the starting rotation as well. So um, might see some of the things we saw then here as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. Moving down the list, uh, a couple of catchers. Um, and we talked about both of these catchers with Kyle uh, a few weeks back, but Pedro Pajes, Pajes, Pedro Pajes. Yeah. Pajes. Um, and, yeah. Pa- yeah. It, it uh, looks like if, if you've never heard his name before, it, it is on paper in English looks like pages, but Pedro it is pages. Yeah. Yeah, Pedro Pages, but it is pronounced, I believe it's Pahis. Pahis. Um, And Jimmy Crooks, who uh, I think I was moderately moderately excited about Jimmy Crooks. And then uh, I think uh, that chat with Kyle kind of got me really on the Jimmy Crooks uh, train. And, you know, everyone knows you you need a lot of catchers um, and they're going to be playing a lot uh, in spring training. So I'm excited to see both of these guys perform, you know. Pajes is Pahis is a uh, kind of a glove first guy with a little bit of a bat. Um, and I think, you know, per our conversation, I think Jimmy Crooks could be total package, kind of a offensive and defensive kind of kind of force. And, I, you know, he's young. Uh, he's only been affiliated ball for one year. Um, but big boy, strong boy does a lot of things that we are excited about. I'm I'm really excited to see him play. I think that the assumption that the backup catching position is locked up by Kisner is incorrect. Yeah. Um, if I you're mean, the Cardinals, be. yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. You have to be considering these guys to break camp as the starting backup catcher. And we don't know what Wilson Contreras's usage will be. Um, you know, whoever this is might end up with, 50 starts at catcher even yeah. with Wilson Contreras being healthy all year. So this is a relatively important position or um or competition rather that I don't think is locked up for Kisner. I think he he is in first place right now and arguably deservedly so for that position, but if any yeah. of these guys um you know crush it, it wouldn't surprise me if by the end of April there is a different catcher backing up Contreras than Kisner. And I all due respect to Kisner. He's been a Cardinal for a long time now. Seems like a good dude. I hope it's someone else because I I think we, I think we got enough last year to know what is Kisner. And I think it's time to, I think the Jimmy Crooks era needs to be in or Yvonne. <laughs> let's yeah. look at, let's get Yvonne out there. Yeah. Yeah. So he is a, uh, obviously a rostered invite. So you would imagine right, that he'll, right. he'll be getting the, uh, the bulk of the innings. Um, but hopefully we'll see those, those young guys get a uh, reasonable chance as well. And yeah, I think like, you know, we should earmark this to, to chat about this at some point, but I think that's a really interesting question. What is Wilson Contreras load going to look like? Cause his bat is plays well enough to DH. He'll definitely be getting at bats there. Um, could even see him getting at bats in, in left field or, or first base, although I don't know where those are going to come from. But uh, I think that's a really interesting question. Um, yeah. All right, moving down to uh, the position players, the non-catcher position players. Um, three names that I think are no surprise to anyone, but uh, three names that are very exciting. Mason Wynn, Oscar Mercado, uh, who's back. We talked about that a few weeks ago. And of course, Jordan Walker, the big guy who had... To go back, man, what an exciting winter warm up he had. Like he is just so yeah. charming and affable and uh see him taking pictures he, with people all around yeah. uh, St. Louis and uh he was talking about how excited he is to go play in Bush. Um 
And I mean, yeah, he's I, legit. He's the man. I'm so excited for him. Yeah. Uh, and just to have him on the Cardinals, you know, I think I, I have this this vision of, you know, you've got Goldie and Arenado is sort of the like tense. We play hard, win hard, da, 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 you know, and then hopefully right there, you know, alongside them, you got Jordan Walker also playing hard, doing all the right yeah. stuff, but being this like affable, goofy guy. Uh, yeah, you know that's 12 13 years younger than those two <laughs> also you know i it, i'm i'm really excited about it yeah it's gonna be uh like o'neill arenado goldie looking serious and being serious and then you're gonna have like wayno walker and lars Newbar who are like you know sticking gum on each other and and <laughs> goofing off and and playing to the oh, camera they, and all they- they got in the taffy again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which I think is good. That's that's kind of the yeah. exact clubhouse you want, right? Like you need your lunatics who will run through a wall and you need the guys that'll that'll keep it light and, and have some fun and, and flash the big smile yeah. and all that. Yeah, and I mean the Cardinals are all over it. They're like the the headline was like ready for St. Louis yeah. for uh for Jordan Walker. I mean, they're not uh, now you know when, when he makes it to St. Louis, they're not they're not saying, but they are priming everyone for like it's soon. No matter what, it's soon. Is it April? Is it July? Or is it September? Like you know, we'll see. But yeah. the the path is there, and yeah. it's it's the hype machine has started. Yeah, and uh, you know, back to the other guys. I think I feel like. What an interesting question Walker will be. Could does he make the big league roster? Does he not? I think I feel pretty confident in saying that Mason Wynn will not. Uh, I expect yeah. him to be starting shortstop for double A or, or maybe even more likely triple A, but we'll get to see him quite a bit, I think. Um and I guess maybe there's a scenario where he just plays with his hair on fire and uh, you know, Tommy's your second baseman and and we figure the rest out. Um, but Oscar Mercado, I think, is an interesting question. I'm not giving up on Oscar Mercado. Um, I think that, you know, he has some big league success. He still has the tools. He's still young. I mean, and he's enough of a player that the Cardinals are inviting him. And I think that, you know, maybe he's a depth piece at AAA, but maybe he's an impactful player. He's got a skill set, um, that doesn't really jump off the page, but he can play center. He can run, he can hit for average. We hope, um, I'm kind of, uh, I don't know. I want to be optimistic about Oscar Mercado. I want something to happen there. Why can't I quit you? <laughs> yeah. Oscar Mercado. Yeah. yeah. I think that's uh, it is I didn't get to see uh, it play out in a Cardinals uniform. Maybe, maybe yeah. that's really all it is. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I, he's like number nine on the outfield depth chart right now, but yeah, you never know. Right. And there's worse. You could have worse than him as your like ninth on your depth chart. Sure. Yeah, that's um, fair. Mason Wynn, I think, uh, I would, I bet he's a September call up kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, getting those ABs, getting ready to, you know, possibly be the starting shortstop in 2024. Yeah. That's yeah, my guess. Oh, man. That's having yeah, Wynn and Walker, that's just going to be an absolute blast. Uh, even if Wynn doesn't hit so much, if he is just like an ace defensive shortstop with the best arm yeah. in the league and a guy that can steal 25 bags, like, He's just going to be so much fun. I, I love his Gold- personality and everything too. Yeah, Goldie's going to need to get a 
like a padded glove there. Get, get Goldie old, a catcher's those, mitt. <laughs> those old man hands. He's going to need the Jubei baseball. Yeah. Uh, you know, so he can catch the Jubei tornado coming from uh, Mason Wynn there at short. Yeah. You know, that's so fun. Uh, it, I think it was Walker who did an interview with Mangrafts, or they, they were talking to Walker about Wynn's arm. And uh, he said that he thinks, you know, uh, there was all that hullabaloo about uh, Wynn throwing that uh, ball from shortstop 100, like 101. 100.1 or 100.3 or whatever. And Walker was saying that he's thrown harder than that. There just haven't been speedos on it. Like, yeah. Not to mention, nice. he's also still very young. Like th- th- this arm could get even better somehow. Um, but what an exciting tool. Yeah. Completely agree. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's the two top Cardinal prospects are getting close to the majors. So we're Yay. like, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, anything else from uh, spring training you want to no, talk about? There'll be more to okay. talk about, but I think those are the guys I'm excited about, and also just you know excited about WBC stuff and all that. A lot of yeah. a lot of cardinal representation this year, which is going to be fun. Yeah. So uh, we've got a few more things we want to talk about, but before we do, of course, we want to remind everybody that this show is supported on Patreon. If you are enjoying the show, want to support us and the time we spend every week to bring this show to you, consider subscribing to our Patreon patreon.com slash talking about birds subscribers at every level get into our private discord server the bird scored bunch of rude dudes with attitudes in there hanging out <laughs> talking about uh cool stuff that cool people talk about wow so, yeah uh again that's patreon.com slash talking about birds and also consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcast platform it helps ben where can people find us online yeah, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Talk About Birds. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram at Talking About Birds. And if you want to email us any questions, thoughts, uh, corrections, um, threats, um, praises, you can hit us up at talkaboutbirds at gmail.com. Um, also, point out that we are on Spotify. So if you prefer to listen to us on Spotify, subscribe uh, and listen to us there. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, we want to talk a little bit about the international signing class. Um, always an interesting and exciting time. Um, you know, this is basically every team going out there and grabbing as many lottery picks yeah. as they can. Um, but right now, if you look at the best players in baseball, a lot of them have come from exactly this process. So yeah. everyone's trying to find the next, um, Tatis, Guerrero, Acuna, you know, these guys all came through this process. So yeah. um, Cardinals got a few interesting guys. I think all the we'll probably, yeah, a lot of juniors, uh, which is always interesting because these guys, you know, Vladdy Jr., Tatis Jr. purposely chose to enter the league through the international signing process rather than going through the draft which is a very complicated and yeah. Im- imperfect thing that I don't think either of us are necessarily prepared to cast judgment on. So I'm going to kind of go past that for now. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of, there's a lot wrapped up in the international draft and likely some changes should happen and, and will happen to make it a, a more equitable situation for people. But anyway, yeah, uh, it is what it is for now. And I know. we're, 
we're yeah. So I, I almost uh, want like a like a uh, uh, Vince Gilligan written and directed show about the seedy underworld of Latin American agent drafty relationships. Like because I think it is, I think you danced around it well. I think it is messy, uh, yeah, at the very least. But there's also from the players and from the people involved, there's some things that make it better than the way that yeah. the college draft system works too. So yep. I think it's mostly exploitive and it's mostly bad, but there's some things that are good about it too. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, who do you want to talk about that? The Cardinals? Yeah. So, acquire? so I don't think we need to get into these too much. Like most of these kids are 16, 17, 18 years old. Um, but I did just want to highlight a few uh, that are uh, particularly interesting or kind of pop off the page. And number one is this uh, massive Venezuelan right-handed pitcher. His name is Rainier Lopez. He is 16 years old. He is six foot nine, um, which is gargantuan. And if you've seen video of him, he is just a big old dude. I think he's right around 200 pounds or so right now. Um, but anyways, he's a six foot nine, 16 year old, and he sits 89 to 93 already. Um, yeah. And I mean, Again, he's 16. Anything could happen. Uh, but I mean, if you're making a picture in a video game, he, pr- he probably looks a lot like this, right? I'm imagining it like some somehow you and I have gotten into a situation where we have to fight this guy and <laughs> we run at him and he probably just grabs both our heads, bonks them together <laughs> and we're out in like two seconds. Get our ass beat by a child. Yeah, 100 yeah. percent. Um, yeah, you know, he's a, uh, projected to be a starting pitcher. Um, obviously you could project anything on this kid. He's Randy Johnson right now as, you know, as far as we're right. concerned, yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but very exciting, probably, probably the most exciting player that the Cardinals picked up. Uh, the Cardinals also got a 20 year old Cuban, uh, whose name is Ruben Menez, uh, power fastball, 94, 96, and a good slider. I think what's particularly exciting about this is the Cardinals are, um, drafting uh, or signing Cuban players again, which has kind of not really happened since like yeah. Rosa Reina. Um, um, what is also exciting about this is that he had a deal in place with the Astros, a little complication hit and the Cardinals swooped in there and, and Got him. snuck him out of there. Yeah. Which is kind of fun. Yeah. It's like, we were talking about it the other day. Anytime you find out like the Rays or the Astros or the Dodgers are, you know, wanted or had a player and something happened. And now the Cardinals have him. You're like, all right. Okay. So some other, you know, validation that people think this guy will be good. Yeah. 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 I'll take that all the way. Um, they also drafted Hansel Almonte. He's a 6'1", 17-year-old from the Dominican Republic who is getting comps comparing him to Starling Marte, center fielder, um now obviously it's easy to comp a 17 year old uh there's a lot to go on caveat 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 uh but yeah. i saw starling marte comp and that i mean how do you not get excited about that that's a uh, one of the most exciting players in baseball still yeah and i i appreciate a comp like that too because it's comping someone to a really really good baseball player but it's also not the like normal comps that we get where they're like, this kid is Bob Gibson 2.0. Here right. comes the next Pedro Martinez. Like anytime someone comps uh, a young player to like these Hall of Fame guys, yeah. it's like 
stop. Like it's, it's not helping yeah. anybody, you know, it just sets horrible expectations. And obviously comping a 17 year old, to Starling Marte is ridiculous too, but at least it's like, okay, it's a current player who was really, really good and has basically had like a normal career path of like yeah. came up, was good for a while, had some peak years, and then it has declined like most players. You know, it's right. like everybody would be lucky to uh, turn out like St- Starling Marte, but it's also not an absurd comp that is unreasonable and will never happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Th- this guy's, you know, if Kenny Lofton and Barry Bonds became the same player. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um yeah, and then moving to that last guy I wanted to talk about, shortstop. His name is Bracewell Tavares. Uh, he is a switch-hitting shortstop um, who is a, a big boy, like I said, switch-hitting and seems like a glove-first kind of guy, uh, but somebody who could be you know, very exciting to watch. Again, he's a baby. Um, the Cardinals signed a lot of players. I think there were 17 signings. There are probably more that are coming that maybe we can talk about next week. Um, but another player who's you know fun to watch. We'll see what happens. Um, interesting name, Bracewell. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. These are all guys that like best case scenario. We're talking about again in two to three years, most likely scenario. Uh, if we're talking about them again, it's four or five years from now. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's a bunch of babies. You, yeah. You keep the wheel turning with your, you know, college draft picks and then signing all these children and see what you get. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, like I said at the top, Rainier Lopez is definitely one that I think just based on his physicality and tool set at 16, we'll be talking about him probably quite often. Yeah, uh, yeah, some interesting names for sure. I love the, um, you know, there's uh, tools that pop off the page for young people, which is always, you know, exciting. Yeah, Yeah, and what an exciting time for all of these young people, too. Likely, yeah. There, there was a know. video of uh, Bracewell Tavares uh, telling his mom uh, that he signed for four hundred and fifty grand, and is telling his mom and his mom, you know, just totally losing it and and breaking down yeah. and tears and hugs and yeah, it was it was pretty. I cool. mean that that's life changing money for the vast majority of people in the world. Yeah, um, and then when you consider where a lot of these people, uh, you know, are coming up from, it's not just life changing. It's it's like family trajectory tra- changing yeah. it's it's a whole it's a lot you know it's pretty cool um, yeah yeah um yeah so we'll see we'll see where this goes always a fun time so yeah. uh i think there's a few off season or a few things happening around the league that we wanted to touch on real quick um a lot of the free agent signings are starting to dry up but there's still a few out there that are worth discussing. It's it's fun. It has just been a steady stream all off season. Um, yeah. But yeah, like you said, most of the big names are are gone now. But uh, yeah, let's hit uh, former Cardinal uh, and fantasy football legend. Uh, Tommy Pham agrees to a <laughs> one year deal with the Mets for six million bucks. The the Tommy Pham revenge tour continues. He's bringing oh, yeah. the show to New York. Broadway, baby. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's probably a good signing for the Mets. Like he's still probably he, he still hits the ball hard. He's still a good player. Yeah, I mean, you know, we'll see how he uh, how he handles the the you know personnel side of being in New York, and uh, you know, I I don't know. I think he's gonna end up ripping some fans in half, but um, <laughs> it's probably it's probably good for everyone. I, I think Showalter and Fam is a good fit, though. I feel like uh, yeah, 
I don't know, Bucking. I think they'll just get along. I think they'll they'll yeah. uh, they'll be all right. Um, speaking of former Cardinals, the Reds signed Luke Weaver to a one year deal. It's uh, a weird deal that if he makes it on the team, he gets two million bucks. Um, I'll just say my opinion is I think Luke Weaver pitching in that ballpark is going to go really poorly for Luke Weaver, but it's a job. Yeah. Yep. Uh, kind of the exact same opinion. I mean, a couple million bucks. Like what a, what a, what a, um, disappointing outcome for Luke Weaver's career, you know? Um, but he's going from one tough, uh, ballpark to another. So even worse though. Still can't believe we got, we traded him and Carson Kelly for Goldschmidt essentially. Yeah, I mean, un- there's a pair, you know, there's an alter- alternate universe where Luke Weaver is a really good starting pitcher and Carson Kelly is a really good back, uh, you know, catch a uh, catcher. And all of it was for one year of right, Raleigh, if you remember. But uh, obviously, what a steal. Didn't go that way. Yeah. Yep. Um, the Pirates do a great move. I think this is the Pirates best move in a very long time. They sign Andrew McCutcheon to a one-year deal, bringing him back home. He called, he texted Bob Nutting and said, "Let's get it done, Bob." And uh Bob finally did something that was not like actively antagonistic towards their fans <laughs> and uh and brought McCutcheon back. It's just a one-year deal. I think it's like 5 million bucks. Uh, but I think this is just a excellent deal. Kind of kind of weird but I, I get it from McKetchen's standpoint, especially watching Albert and Yachty last year. Yeah, I mean, this has got to be a retirement or near retirement choice, right? Like he's just looking to fade out his career at the place that he got his most fame and his most, you know, most of his success. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's fun. I mean, I Andrew McCutcheon's awesome, huge fan. So hopefully he has a good year and for the Pirates and can kind of have the last year or two or how, I mean, he hasn't said he's retiring or anything, yeah. but you know, definitely feels like a, I'm getting ready to retire, uh, signing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. You know, it's funny. I was looking at like, he still hits the ball pretty hard. He still has a great eye. Um, his sprint speed. I was shocked by this is 90th percentile in baseball. He still has some tools. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, it's highly likely that he gets the 300 home runs this year. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a great deal. Um, and yeah, honestly, I think he's gonna like put O'Neill Cruz and and Cabrian uh, Hayes under his wing, and it, it'll be a great story. And I, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, um, the Dodgers trade for uh, Miguel Rojas, who is the he's off now a former Marlins shortstop. Um, but they, I, I assume that this means that they don't believe in Gavin Lux at shortstop, so they went and got kind of an everyday club first shortstop, which is uh, kind of interesting. Yeah, it's, you know, the Dodgers kind of laying yep. low this season. Yeah. Um, and uh, Miguel Rojas was actually originally a Dodger. Yeah. They traded him in the D. Gordon trade. Uh, this this back, is the real back in the uh, come home story over Andrew McCutcheon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a lot. There's a, it's an interesting off season for the Dodgers. Um, I mean, the fun thing is I can't remember the last time the Cardinals were projected to do better than the Dodgers. Uh, it's been quite a while, but almost every projection system has the Cardinals as a better team than the Dodgers, which like seems insane to me. And I don't entirely believe it, but you know, losing Trey Turner, 
and another year of um, just age, I guess, for a bunch of these guys. But yeah. still, um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, they're still a great team. So. I know. I have a hard time believing, especially like Dustin Mays coming back healthy. They have some really nice pitching pros- prospects. We'll we'll see. But uh, I like yeah. the idea. Yeah, same. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Padres signed Nelson Cruz, agreed to a one year deal, 1 million bucks. Uh, good for Nelson Cruz. He's 43, yeah. I think. And he's on a, he's on one of the best teams in baseball. So yeah. good for him. Yeah. Back with his buddy Juan Soto. Um, and then this just hot off the press. This happened right before we started recording. Adam Duvall signs a, a one year, $7 million deal with the Red Sox. Uh Oh, look out AL East. Yeah, that's definitely a deal. Um, yeah, nothing to say on that. So there were a couple of signings in our free agent scraps, big money draft, AKA fast boom. Um, Nate struck it rich today. Uh, or this we're one coming back. Cubs signed Trey Mancini, uh, Mancini two years, 14 million. That brings Nate up to 74 million and the Cubs, you know, incrementally getting better and better. Yeah. Yeah, I was. Ex- we both thought he was going to get basically exactly the Brandon Belt deal yeah. when you're nine, and he got two seven ish each, so a little lower on yep. the AAV. But for our purposes, fourteen overall, I'll take yeah. it. You'll Getting take close, I am what eight million behind you now, and we both have two players left to sign. Yeah, yeah. So uh, speaking of the Brewers, signed Brian Anderson, one year. Man, you look at his baseball savant page alone and you think he'd get more than that. Um, Yeah, probably a good play for the Brewers. Honestly, I think this will probably work out well for him. He's, I think, an underrated player. He hits the ball hard. Um, One of the best arms in baseball. We'll see what happens. But yeah, Nate is at 74 million. I'm at 82.2 and I have Danny Duffy and Elvis Andrus remaining. Nate has jerks and profar. And Michael Waka, which uh, I think those, you know, those could be some big money guys in there. I, I think right now I would, I don't know, I, Waka and, and Profar are going to make some money. I think you're sitting in a good spot, but we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see. It's going to be close. It's so, going to be close, which is makes it more fun. So, all right. Well, we're going to wrap up this episode with another uh, game of sorts. Ben, I've got a real throwback for you. I actually found the sound effect of this game from when we did the show back in like 2014. Wow. Uh, So we're returning to a little segment that we called if you had to, if you had to, (laughs) I don't remember this at all. Yeah. So I think I remember the sound effect. Yeah. This is less like a game where I'm going to be, quizzing you and like trying to get you to, you know, like a win or a lose and more just a thought experiment. So I saw this going around on Twitter and I thought it was kind of fun. So I thought, you know, we we could do it here. Um, So if you had to build a starting lineup with a single starting pitcher and a closer uh, of your favorite Cardinals, who would you pick? But the caveat is, it has to be Cardinals that uh, played during your existence while you were alive, right? So okay. you can't, you can't, there's, so for you and I, basically Cardinals from the late 80s going on. Okay. So you're picking your favorite Cardinal for each position. Okay. Um, favorite Cardinal for each position. Not, I, I thought originally I heard it as I had to 
pick a pitcher to play all positions, but it's just my favorite oh. Cardinal per position. Yeah, yeah, like a, okay. a full, you know, a starting lineup and okay. a pitcher and a closer. Yeah. So I figure we'll just go around the horn here yeah. and um, we'll pick our favorites. Okay. Um, and I'll, I'll go along with you. So, All right. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll start on the, um, like the, the lineup side and we'll end with the pitcher. So okay. probably the easy one, but who are you doing as catcher? Who's your starting catcher for, uh, Jason LaRue. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, easy, obvious easy. choice. Duh. Yeah. Oh, and for the purposes of this, we will do a DH. It'll be kind of like your auxiliary player. Who do okay. you want at right. DH? So, um, all right, catcher, we're both going Yachty, right? You got to go Yachty. What Cardinal fan isn't going Yachty? You didn't like my pick? Um, no, you can go Jason LaRue. That's all fine. Right. All right, I'm going Yachty. You've got Jason LaRue. All right, uh, first base. Mark McGuire. McGuire, that's your pick. Yeah, well, we'll you'll, you'll see my my uh, my bullshit uh, later. But yeah, Mark McGuire for first base. You're going to do like pool holes in left field, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Okay. Um, yeah, I think. He's Big Mac, baby. Yeah, it's hard. Not, I mean, that's a great pick. Big Mac's awesome. Um, I'm going to go pool holes. Ugh. Yeah. So boring. Um, I know it's boring, but come on. I mean, fair. It's pool yeah. holes. Uh, second base. Now, second base has been such a. Uh, this is where it gets interesting. It does. Um, but if I had to pick a favorite of mine, because there's oh, there's been so many, um, I think I'll go. It's tough. I think I'll go Fernando Vina. Okay. I mean, he's he's stuck there for a while. It makes a little more sense, but. Uh, I don't know. Like everyone else has only been there for a second. He was at least there for a few years. So yeah, I'll go Fernando Vina. I'll take that. Vina is a great pick. Vina was it was, you know, right around where I was thinking too. Um, but ultimately, I know a lot of this is recency bias. I'm going to solve for that a little bit later. But I got to go Colton Wong. Sure. Colton Wong yeah. was a. I mean, how much fun did we have with Colton Wong as a second baseman? Yeah, um, no, Colt, no, Colton Wong's a great pick. I love me some some K Wong. Um, he's gonna have a great year with the Mariners this year. Yeah. Um, all right, shortstop. I mean, technically I'll probably look up the time period because it was a short time period where he had that restaurant called Ozzy's. Yeah. Did you ever go to yes. that? Yes. Oh, yeah. definitely went to Ozzy's on birthdays, and I remember yeah. getting a baseball shaped cake. Nice. I one time was there and he was there and I like chased him down through the middle of the restaurant with a napkin and got him to autograph this napkin that I don't really know where it is anymore, but the memory of chasing him down to get the napkin, I still have very strong. Sure. Yeah. That sounds so, beautiful. Yeah, Ozzy Smith, my favorite Cardinal shirt. I've worn it to like a hundred something games. It's falling apart is my Ozzy Smith t-shirt. So, uh, yeah, Ozzy's my favorite. Gross. player. Yeah. So, yeah. Never washed it. All right. Uh, <laughs> third base. Third base. I, uh, you know, I love Matt Carpenter so much. I love Nolan Arenado. Do I like Nolan Arenado more than I like Scott Rowland? What an interesting. Um, I 
think I do. Yeah, I'm going to say Nolan. Yeah. I I love Scott Rowland. He's a Hall of Famer, one of the best Cardinals of all time. I just like Nolan better. Yeah, I was really coming down to the to the same and I think they're both fantastic defenders and that's what really puts them to that next level, right? right. And but I think the the way at which Arenado plays the the in the frenetic insanity that he has yeah compared to Roland's like sturdy quality um makes me just enjoy watching Arenado more. Um so I I have to align with you on yeah. this one, Arenado. Um left field. Left field's an easy one for me. Ray Langford all day. I feel like he was just the man when I was growing up. Um, so I got to give it to Ray. See, I was going to say Ray Langford too, but I was going to put him for center field. Well, I think of him as a left fielder, though. I guess yeah. uh, now I'm, I'm going to look up. Which has he played more? And I, you're probably right. Um, yeah, he's played uh, Yeah, only 450 games in left field, uh, 1,138 in center field. Um, so you're I probably thought, right, but I'm gonna I'm gonna bend the rules and I'm gonna make Ray Langford my left fielder. I was probably gonna do that with someone here in a little bit, so that's yeah. fine. So my left fielder, I gotta go Matt Holiday. I said it yeah. before. I know it's not the most fun, like he, you know, I, for from fun purposes, I usually try to include like you know who I enjoyed the most is probably something with a like a flashy defense. You know, pretty much every pick we've had has been like an elite defender. Yeah, but um, just Matt Holiday was like. One of my favorite players before he was a Cardinal and then he was a Cardinal and he was awesome. And you know, now Cardinal Hall of Famer. And so if I'm picking my my lineup, you gotta have my holiday in it. Yeah. All right, center field. So my center fielder was Ray Langford. I'm putting yeah. I'm taking Ray Langford in center field all day, every day. Obviously, shout out to Jim Edmonds. Um, obviously, shout out to Colby Rasmus. Um, <laughs> obviously. Obviously. I uh, shout out to Tyler O'Neill, but um, I it's Ray Langford for me. Yeah, Jimmy Jimmy ball game was mine for a mile away. Just some of those catches, home run robberies, that playoff home run that he hit. Um, yeah, Jimmy ball game all day. Yeah. Um. All right, right field. Okay, I'm gonna go. Uh, it's a um. It's it's just a player that I love. So I was gonna go with JD Drew. Originally, because I, w- I was at J.D. Drew's first game and I remember my dad pointing out what was happening and he, this top prospect and blah, blah, blah. And everyone's giving him a standing ovation. I really that's really cemented in my brain. But, you know, I love Ryan Ludwig. Just I'll, I know it was, it was short, um, <laughs> but I loved it. I love that he hit with his right and caught with his left. I, I loved uh, the way he played defense. And how he just came out of nowhere. And I, I've said this before on this podcast, but I remember exactly where I was sitting when I learned he was traded away and how much I hated that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, th- this is an emotional pick, but I'm going with Ryan Ludwig. Yeah, I thought you might. I mean, I, I really liked Ryan Ludwig, too. I never had quite the connection with him as you uh, do, but I certainly remember when he hit 37 home runs that one year. Hell what, yeah. What a year. Um. For me, I'm going Willie McGee, baby. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Similar, like right behind um, Ozzy, 
uh, for me from the 90s, like just the fun factor. You yeah. got to go Willie all day. He's still around. I mean, who doesn't love Willie McGee? You know, I love him. Um, yeah. Uh, all right. So now we got two more spots left. Yeah. Who's your starting pitcher? I thought we were doing DH. Oh, yeah. DH. Sorry. Albert Pujols. Yeah. Okay. So that makes DH. sense. His year last year. Come on. That cemented him as the best Cardinals DH of all time. It's fair. I mean, it's the first time we had one, but, uh, you know, <laughs> that was my bullshit response. I had that ready to go. Well, I'm going to do something similar because I had I, I could have just swapped these around, but um, I'm going Paul Goldschmidt as my my DH. OK, um, similar to uh, what I said about Matt Holiday. I've been a huge Paul Goldschmidt fan basically since his rookie year. He's been one of my he was one of my favorite non-Cardinal yeah. players. And then the Cardinals acquired him and, you know, the rest is yeah. history. Paul so. Goldschmidt, 40 career games at DH. But sure, Nate, you can bend the rules however you want. Yep. Thank you. Uh, I said at the beginning, this, first of all, is my game. So, uh, oh, you know, the, rule, okay. the rules, I said at the beginning, the, the DH is basically, you can put anyone you want there. All right. So, um, actually I take it back. Ryan Terrio, come on down. <laughs> Stud. He was, uh, he was DH on the, uh, the world series winning Cardinals. So, sure. uh, Ryan, the riot. The right. uh, former Cubby. All right. You love him. Yep. You love him. Uh, all right. Starting pitcher. Yeah, this one is obviously a lot harder. There's a lot of names out there. Um, I, ha- I think it has to be Chris Carpenter for me, though. Just like everything. He he is like, I think, one of the coolest players to ever play for the Cardinals. Um, should be a Hall of Famer, you know, if he had health and everything went different. But I just love Chris Carpenter. So he's he's an easy choice for me. Yeah, it's it's really hard to argue with Chris Carpenter. And then after Chris Carpenter, I think it becomes pretty clear. There's Adam Wainwright um, is probably like, you know, it's like one A and one B as far as like of the last 30 years. I mean, there's there's some other guys out there, but that's definitely who I think of first. But you know what I'm going to do, Ben? I'm going to go. I'm going to pick, I think, the the Cardinal that I had the most fun watching. And this is. A very specific moment when they were great and the whole world was in front of them. We all thought this was the next ace of the Cardinals staff. Carlos Martinez, <laughs> when he was, when the like one and a half years when he looked really? like the best picture. I, I mean, I was a huge Carmar fan and I know it all went downhill from there, but yeah. I'm going Carmar. What a, it, everything was fun. It was electric. Okay. Who's your closer? Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess you could question my closer take uh, too, but um, when he was hot, he was hot and I I was here for it. Trevor Rosenthal was, I thought like the secret weapon of the Cardinals uh, when that was happening. And and then obviously the injuries and everything. um, But I love Trevor Rosenthal. I want him to come back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, that was more rare at the time. The guy coming out throwing like he did, um yeah, it was a ton of fun. Uh I'm picking Jason Mott. I, I almost it. I almost picked Jason Mott. Then I pulled up his baseball yeah. reference and saw that he really only had one year, but uh yeah. he was great. He was great that year. 
I love Jason Mott. He had the big beard. He was basically blind, which yeah. I loved. Uh, you know, I felt a certain kinship with him on that one. <laughs> he he could he wouldn't wear his glasses or his contacts because he didn't feel like he could pitch well. And so you'd see Yachty with the like super bright pink uh, yeah. nail polish on because that was the best way for Mott to be able to see the signs. And I just <laughs> love this idea of a guy who, you know, for his time threw really hard and like couldn't really see the catcher <laughs> and, he's the, and he's the he's the closer on a world series championship team yeah i mean it's i love it i love jason mott um so yeah i mean not a not a long run uh as far as the position goes but still he he was there for a big hey, one and, yeah no and, i'm and no, no question yeah all right well um, hey, if you have an idea for, you know, what's your favorite lineup, tweet us or email us. Let us know. Um, we'd love to hear it. Um, you know, I know we have some listeners who have a, 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 a broader range of players to choose from as well, or even a shorter range of players to choose from. Let us know who your favorite lineup would be. Uh, I won, though, right? Um, let me check the stats. Nobody wins on this show. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, it's like Alien versus Predator. Nobody, nobody wins, but it's uh, <laughs> it's just it's just me and you. Doesn't the audience win? No, nobody okay. wins in Aliens versus Predator. All right, I saw that in theaters. Uh, Sick, not great. Anyway, <laughs> um, thanks everybody for being here for listening. Uh, we we're we're starting to get back into actual baseball, so we're getting through. We're getting through the the off season. Pitchers and catchers report in less than a month. Can you believe? I can't. Wow. So we'll be back next week, as always, with another episode. And consider again joining our Patreon, patreon.com slash talking about birds. And until next week, Jose, like I still think you should should trade for Pablo Lopez. Go do it. Tell Put him on task. <laughs>